It's time for Diva Live, the number one radio show in the private service industry. Diva Live is a radio show that allows private service professionals to discuss topics that pertain to their industry. Now, here are your hosts, Diva National President Matthew Hack and private service professional DJ Haverkamp. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of DEMA Live. DEMA Live is a radio show intended to bring private service professionals, product suppliers, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. DEMA Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, which is a professional trade association with a mission to serve those that serve others. Our website is www.domesticmanagers.com. For our live listeners, you can log into the blogtalkradio.com website to submit questions online. You can also text your questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number to text your questions to is 313-404-3998. My name is Matthew Hack. I'm the president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, and I'll be your host today. As usual, I will be joined by DJ Haverkamp, a private service professional who is based out of the New York area. On this edition of DEMA Live, we're going to be visiting with Joanne Weiner. Joanne is the CEO, Executive Director, and Founder of the Palm Palm Beach International Academy. Palm Beach International Academy provides individualized, self-paced academic instruction that uses an established accredited curriculum in an innovative, positive, and caring environment. She has been working in South Florida as well as in Europe, Latin America, and throughout the United States to supply creative solutions for academic language and cultural instruction for all levels and ages. So with that introduction, let me go ahead and get the show started. DJ, it's been a while. Uh, Hopefully you've been able to uh, overcome that convention hangover. I know we covered a lot of topics and got to meet a lot of people. So uh, welcome to the show. It's great to talk to you again, Matt. I I had a great time at the convention. It was great to see you there and uh, really came away encouraged and invigorated and very excited. I know all the folks who were there had really good things to say about it. The event in Scottsdale was just wonderful. The fantastic and the speakers were really excellent. So we've been busy here in New York. It's the General Assembly week here in New York, which is uh, when a lot of the world leaders come to the United Nations for their annual convention. So uh, one of the big things that's happening here in New York right now is there are a lot of uh, private service events that relate to uh, our industry and security and a lot of really great fine dining, a lot of wonderful clothes. So it's been a busy week since we got back from the convention, but all is going well. Good to hear. Good to hear. And uh, before I go to Joanne and, and introduce her, uh, I wanted to uh, also recognize all those leaders that are in town, I'm sure, have uh, children. And uh, they couldn't do what they do leading the, uh, the, the world uh, as they do without great nanny support, taking care of those children. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, this is National Nanny Recognition Week. So if you know of any nannies, uh, make sure that you reach out to them and thank them for helping mold the, uh, the child's mind, the, the youth of America. And uh, speaking of the youth of America and educating and molding minds, uh, let's go ahead and bring Joanne on. Joanne, welcome to Dima Live. Great to be here. 
Well, we're excited to have you on the show. And, you know, as we were talking a little bit, uh, I know you've hosted a meeting there in Palm Beach. And uh, as you and I were talking here before the show, you guys have some really fantastic things going on there uh, at the Palm Beach International Academy. So before we get going too far into, you know, some of the things that you guys are working on, can you give us a little bit of history about how you uh, got started in this whole industry? Oh, gladly. Um, First, I started out about in 1989. I started out myself as a private teacher in the South Florida area. I was working with students on study skills, organizational skills, test-taking strategies, all of that, and quickly became known as um, a great educator. And I started working with the tennis kids and quickly then went to the equestrian community when Wellington, Florida was just beginning to be an equestrian hub. We started working with uh, full-time programs for our athletic students who did not want to give up a great education in order to pursue their careers as, or their passions in their athleticism. And so we then started to attract hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years. And I quickly grew into a center-based area. So we opened up a center in Boca Raton, and then we opened up a center in Wellington, Florida as well. And uh, we just opened up a new center in Tryon, um, North Carolina, which is where another horse show is. So we travel the world with our students. So we now service over 200 students in full and part-time programs from all over the world. Some of the guests may not be familiar with the concept of what private education is. So can you tell us a little bit about private education industry and who might use this kind of service? Sure. Uh, Private education stems from anything from needing a tutorial, a private tutorial for any student from pre-K through university students. Uh, We look at helping kids on many different levels. We do individual content tutoring so that if a student is in a traditional brick-and-mortar school, either public or mostly private, then they need some additional assistance. There are then special needs students who use private education, not only with uh, severely impacted special needs, but just people who don't want to go to regular school for whatever reasons. Um, We also do um, the content tutoring, the uh, the general full-time programs. We also do college counseling. Private education is really an interesting field. It's in this domain of tutoring. Uh, We started out being called Palm Beach. Before Palm Beach International Academy, we were private tutoring services. Um, Because we turned into more of a private provider of education, we became Palm Beach International Academy. But um, it's really for people who are looking for something to fit their lifestyle and not only the needs of their children, but also to fit the lifestyle of who they are. So a lot of people who use us are actors, politicians, business leaders, people who for whatever reason need that flexibility of the private education. And what we do as private educators is we supply really great educators to go out to the families, to work at our centers, to travel with our families, separate from the regular domestic staff, but in addition to that kind of a situation of the entourage of the family. 
That, that's so interesting because I know when I uh, when I finally got my uh, my bachelor's degree, I was one of those students that was part on on location and part online, and so that was just beginning to be a a new way of of being able to get your education. And it sounds like it's completely changed and reflects a real change on the way that education is being viewed. And there seems to be a change in the way that education is done in comparing, you know, your education, my, my education with the way that my sons are going to learn um, in the future. What are some of your thoughts regarding the general approach that one should take with regard to education? Well, we're definitely in the 21st century right now. And, and 21st century education is being looked upon as a collaborative effort. There's a shift from the classroom to online and technology. There's a shift in project-based education. We're looking to not just do the traditional reading, writing, and arithmetic, but we're also looking to adding into the world of what is interesting to the child, the cognitive functions, how a child learns, which is different in every single child, is very important to look at when developing a program. And I think that schools, those big buildings, sometimes just don't work for kids anymore. And the lifestyle of our family shows that they're not that interested in sending their kids to school. And if you can provide a social environment with students online and in person, then that's what is going to be successful for these kids. Certainly we want to do college preparatory programs and we want to make sure that students have the option of going to college if they want, but also they don't necessarily have to go to universities anymore to get a college education. There's also, uh, we very much focus on critical thinking skills, creative thinking skills, globalization, community service, philanthropy is very important, especially among our clients. And so um, we're looking at giving kids the and students the opportunity of being lifelong learners. So those are some of the switches of what we're seeing as a 21st class, 21st century classroom, 21st century environment, and 21st century learner is what's going on. That's really interesting, Joanne. Uh I I just want to ask though how does the how does this process work? So, if I'm working for my principal and they're looking and to me to kind of help them find an educator or maybe to do some private education for their children, how how does this work exactly? What what would I do? How would I go about getting this started if I were interested in this service? Sure. Well, the way it works is that, and we get the way it has been working is that we get calls from many estate managers who have heard about us, who have found us online, who know about our reputation, but mostly what has to happen is you have to find someone who can work with you, who can understand the situation of the family. First, we have to assess the needs. Um, we, we actually are, what would happen is that an estate manager will call us and ask us for information just to do some research on what's out there and what the needs are, what's happening with the family. I think the first step for the, um, the state manager is to understand what the needs are for the children of the family, what the ages are, what the grades are, if there are any learning differences, if there are special needs, what the time frame is looking at, what, we're, what you're looking for. If you're looking for extra help in the family, you de or just on a day-to-day -day basis as a tutor, 
if you're needing a private educator to travel with the family, or if you're coming to somewhere seasonally, if you want to set up a whole little program. Many times we work on the estates. On, um, there are in guest houses and places on the estates. We set up little mini classrooms, and uh, we work with logistics all the time. So to understand the logistics is very necessary. And then to start asking lots of questions. You want references. You want to understand the type of service that is offered, where it's being done. We ask that our educators are autonomous from the family. So if we're traveling, we set up a whole uh, separate environment for the tutor to live and, and transport him or herself. We use Skyping, so we need to make sure that there's always availability. We have to connect with the schools if there is a school connected, or else we set up our own program through our full-time program. So that's basically how it works. So you have to understand, we also have to understand the security issues. We have centers around in South Florida and North Carolina, and then we also travel to different locations. And many times our families have their own security, so we have to understand that so it's not imposing. We have one family who travels with uh, a big security team, and so they need to stay outside of our building so that it's not imposing on the students. We don't want our students to feel like they're anything but kids when they're with us, especially in the group. Look at budgets for families. Uh, if there is a budget, many times they just Parents just want to have it happen, but we will always give you what it costs. We have a very big checks and balance system within our organization to make sure that we are taking care of our clients' um, situation as well as, as well as taking care of our tutors, too. Mm -hmm. so That's are, really uh, cool. Yeah, we develop an educational plan that's unique to every situation, and the more information that someone can give us, without being too revealing, but the more information about the way the student works and what the needs are, the better the plan can be. We work with the schools. We work with our own program. We also uh, look for the appropriate tutor, which is very important because it is a one-on-one -on -one situation. And then we implement the plan. We have a group of, kid, of, of educators that are overseeing the academic plan of every student. So every, every case is unique and, and fascinating. And so your, your service uh, goes ahead and matches up and finds the tutors as well, and it also, like, develops a plan. So are you using a curriculum of some sort that you're using as the guideline for what a child at each age level should be learning? Yes. We work with accredited programs from around the country, and we pick and choose from those levels. And so if a student, for example, is in fourth grade, then we will find different programs for that if we're not using the student's school from home. Many schools have one person that we're in contact with, like a counselor or a vice principal, that allows us to work with the school's curriculum so that the student can travel or if they're in our own program, we have that. When you're in our program, we don't like, in the new world of education, grades and levels are not as important as skills. And so if you're in fourth grade, but you can do fifth grade math, we'll get you through that. And so that's what our, pro the flexibility of our program allows for the individual unique style of every student. 
So there are specific curriculum that we use, but most of the time um, we use that, or if a student is staying in schools, is just traveling or things like that to go back to school, then we use The way the plan is developed is that we basically figure out where the student is, what projects are being necessary. We have multiple tutors available if necessary. We also do college preparatory programs with SAT, ACT, that kind of stuff too. So we need to understand if a student is needing that or where they are in school. That is so cool because sometimes what what I see uh, or what I've heard from you know from from teaching uh, students is that their their grade level that they're at is sometimes what actually diminishes their um, their want and desire to perform well because they're not being challenged. And so what you're saying is that you guys have been able to create a testing and evaluation as part of uh, charting the student's progress. And and my my thought would be you know, we, like you just said, you know, my kids have to pass certain grade levels, but you're saying that you guys don't operate that way. You guys operate on basically, we give the student a test. We want to see what level they're at. doesn't really have to be a grade level. It's just the ability of the student. Is there a system that you guys are using uh, for testing kids in the private education world? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times we use uh, psychoeducational testing, which is performed by uh, an educational therapist. And those tests are, are so important starting at the younger level, if possible, starting in about third grade. Sometimes kids are tested in first grade if they're exhibiting differences in learning. But we like to see it just to see where these students are. And then throughout the course of the year in traditional school, they are kids are – but what we do is we test them through the, – the psychoeducational testing will give us the levels on, on – standard and core curriculum of levels of where students are, but we don't care about that anymore. Um, we care about if a student, we have kids that are in seventh grade that are doing ninth grade math, or we have kids in ninth grade that have to do eighth grade reading levels. So we can tell from meeting with the student, certainly the testing is important. There's a whole battery of tests that are really good to do every two or three years with students so that we can see how are they progressing and mostly we can see how do they learn and so we can we can create classes and we know which courses to use for different kinds of learners so with the project-based learning meaning that kids are involved in in how to do things, actually making things, how to, in, in biology, we have a class that all you do is experiment. So you're learning the concepts, for example. And, and if that's how you need to learn as opposed to reading a textbook, then that's fine. And then you go through a, a rigorous, it's college preparatory, starting in grade, you know, four, grade three, and to just really prepare them for thinking on their own and being creative thinkers. So testing, I think testing is a really good way. I don't like ABC grades. We are very much interested in a narrative to give an evaluation. And what we have found with our families who are busy traveling and if the students are with us, that we send weekly reports to the families. And the moms and dads who are off in the world are very excited to see the progress on a weekly basis in a narrative form so that they can stay in tune with what's going on at school when they live such busy lifestyles. 
this is uh, this just seems like such a novel and uh, and great conceptual way of of having uh, students learn and, and, and of all ages. And uh, I just wanted to applaud you, Joanne, on on, on creating something like this for uh, for people that are are trying to to educate themselves. So. Um, one of the things that I know, uh, and I think DJ would, would agree with this, uh, one of the things that, that an estate manager is likely to have to deal with is coordinating the arrangements for a private teacher or a tutor. Um, mm. Things like finding an apartment, providing a car, anything else you can think of, DJ? Um, time off, uh, vacation travel plans. So if there's a teacher that has to be, you know, Flying off with the family, all those kind of logistics, like like Joanne was just mentioning before. Yep, and and so you know any of those ideas. But what things would you recommend as an estate man, that that an estate manager be aware of when hiring and working with a private teacher, Joanne? Great, great um, idea here. Um, first of all, they have to vet the tutor. We do a vetting process on our own where we check the, an international background check for up to seven years. We also do a credit check on all of our tutors to make sure that um, everything is okay there. We also um, make them sign a non-disclosure agreement. So those are the things that I'm sure every estate manager is aware of in the first place. But really, when you're working with the children, you have to make sure of that. Um, so the vetting process we have uh, many clients who we vet, and then they vet us, the, the client, they vet the tutor again. So um, as long as everybody's open to that, then um, that's fine. Um, we also, as far as the logistics, I think you also have to make sure the traveling is very important. Um, a lot of our clients are on private uh, transportation and jets, and so we have to make sure visas are up to date. We have to make sure all of that is up to date, that money, how money is going to be paid, if it's going to be paid in euros or if it's going to be paid in dollars. Um, vacation time, well, it depends on how long it goes. We are suggesting these days to do a lot of Skyping so that the hassles of the logistics don't have to happen. Many families still like to have the the tutor with them, which is fine, and as and that's especially good for younger children. As students get older, you need different people who can teach different subjects. So that's why skyping is always really good um, for that. But also, you also have to take care of just to get back to the logistics. You have to take care of their living space, their transportation, their time off, their food, their their salaries, things like that. That usually goes through us. Sometimes we have it taken care of by the estate, and then um, we just take care of the, the other side of things, of the tutoring time and the teaching time. Uh, but it's important that, that in this, for a private teacher, that, it's not, that they're not considered the nanny, that the nanny is separate from the teacher. And so there needs to be a certain amount of time during the day that the student is working. We like consistent uh, blocks of time. I think it's uh, important to work with a service like ours so that we can help set that up. And so you, there are there are other services certainly besides mine that are out there doing this. Uh, but to work with someone to make sure that the school is is in contact and that everybody the program is working and that the parents are satisfied and the student is getting educated. 
So, Joanne, tell me just a little bit about how, the kind of people that you work with for your tutors and your teachers. What, what okay. do you? How do well, you find these folks? Well, we um, we everybody has to have at least a four-year degree in their subject area or have um, been a teacher. Many of us have gotten rid of our, our certification in private education. You don't need a typical teaching certification. So we're, we look for people who understand uh, cognitive functions of children, who understand um, the passion of their subject. And we find them, actually I'm connected to many different organizations that find teachers and administrators through um, like an, an agency. And so we're connected there. We find them through word of mouth. And now I'm starting to have my students become tutors for us, which is always fun to have them who have gone through our project to, in, the, in that phase of their lives to come in and tutor with us, which is great. And um, that's a really how we find them. And we keep everyone as a part-time or um, mostly people are work depending on the situation. We have a tutor right now in Europe that's been there for four months with our student. And um, so that's been a lot of fun to watch her travel through the whole entire horse show circuit and having a great time with our students. She was actually in our full-time program doing classes over the summer in between the horse shows and just having a great time. So it's a lot of fun. So we find them that way and people come to us, they've heard about us, they search for us. But as I said, we do a very stringent vetting process for who we let in to be access to our, our students. Very, very cool stories. And I think it's always rewarding when you have someone that, uh, that was in the program come back and be able to teach. I'm sure that's a, an exciting piece for you to see, right? Yeah, it's really exciting. And what's even more exciting is that I've been doing this for so long that now I have grand students coming in. So I have my <laughs> students who have gone off and lived their lives, had children, and now are coming back to us. It's really quite wonderful. I'm really excited that it's so important with our demographic that children are treated like children. Um, you know, we don't let our tutors, for example, at our centers sit around unless they're tutoring because we don't want our children who can be in the spotlight and whose parents are in the public limelight to feel anything but like they are children. And that's really wonderful to give that to them so that there's a normal, healthy social interaction with them. So um, you have to be really on top of that. We stay very much attuned to the needs of our families and of our students. Excellent. Well, let me, um, before, before we go any further here, I just want to make a, a, a quick little, uh, take a quick break and let people know uh, that our DEMA members out there of some of the upcoming chapter meetings that will be happening around the country. Uh, DEMA is going to be have, having meetings September the 25th in Palm Beach. Uh, we'll be having another meeting, group of meetings on the 26th in Scottsdale. And the 27th is going to be, uh, you can come out and see DJ live and uh, he'll, uh, he'll sign some autographs for you, I'm sure. <laughs> and on the, on the 28th, uh, the 28th, we're going to be hosting meetings in Houston, Naples, and San Diego. So to register for those events, or if you'd just like to learn a little bit more about what's going to be happening at those events, uh, all you need to do is go on to the DEMA website at domesticmanagers.com. 
you'll scroll the top there and see the events tab of, uh, of the DEMA website and then click on the monthly calendar and you'll be able to get any of your highlights from that. And uh, we're really excited about, we've got a lot of really great uh, programs that are coming up uh, this upcoming month. Um, I know Palm Beach is doing a little bit of a, uh, a fundraising fun activity. We're going to be doing there. I should say not we, because I unfortunately won't be there, but uh, the chapter is going to be doing a, uh, um, a putt putt tournament. So if you have anyone that's got a good putter and can hit the ball straight, uh, get, be sure to get there and, and join in on the fun and the activities. That sounds like a fun, fun meeting, man. John, I want to ask a quick question. I know when we were talking the other day that you mentioned that you have certain programs uh, for special needs uh, individuals um, with regard to eating disorders or some of those kinds of issues. Could you just tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with, with those um, folks who have sure. special needs? Sure. Well, in our population, we have to be very concerned with suicide prevention, drug addiction, eating disorder, and alcoholism, unfortunately. And so we have to train ourselves in how to recognize that. And so um, first we, are, we, we talk about it with our students. We have some manuals for our, our kids and our, our tutors and educators to learn about, to look out for some of those situations. And um, when, we do do, when we do have a situation um, that we have to manage, we handle it very carefully and with kid gloves on, and um, we're able to go to the treatment centers. We, I designed a program so that while a student is in treatment or recovery, that he or she is able to continue with her studies and um, continue going to school. And it's a very confidential situation. In many of those cases, we work from the home and we, we send tutors to the home to keep going with school or we work via Skype. In South Florida, we have a lot of centers for teenagers. And so we are connected in with that. Um, but it's very important to make sure that the students and the children are staying current with their school so at least something is relatively normal in their lives. So we have been working with that. I think it's important for all of us to learn how to identify those kinds of problems. Um, with many families, it's kind of swept under the rug, especially high-profile families. And so it's a very delicate situation that we need to know who to go to, who to talk to in the family if we recognize that. And most of the time, it's the estate manager that we have contact with in the family if we see that. So as long as they know that there is a contact with us, we're able to discuss it in an open and confidential situation. So let me ask a follow-up question to that then. For one of the things I think a lot of folks who work in private service for families who have children is dealing with some of the issues of, of youth. And uh, sometimes those can be, like you said, very delicate issues. Do you have any advice on dealing with uh, a situation where, say, I'm the estate manager and uh, my principal has three kids that are in their teenage years who are, you know, sneaking in drugs or, or uh, uh, any kind of a number of illicit behaviors 
that we might come across, how, you know, you don't want to, you, you kind of feel like you're working for two or three different principles because suddenly you're trying to be loyal to the kids as well as to the parents. And it is, like you said, a very delicate line to kind of walk. Do you have any advice for the folks who are listening that might, might be helpful? Yeah, I think that the first thing to do is to set up a very safe environment. I usually go to the grown-up involved or the parent involved to say I'm going to talk to the child about this, and then I, I create a very safe environment of non-judgmental situation. I tell the student that the only way I would go to the parent is if I think that they are going to harm themselves or others, and I then um, will talk to them about the situation. I always try to find out what happened or what is going on before I say anything about it. So I create a safe space. If they're not comfortable in doing that, then they have to find someone outside of the family like the tutor or someone else that they can go to and, or, or the nanny if that's appropriate and talk to the child about that. We just had a situation where there was an inappropriate social media comment about sexual activity going on between these kids who thought it was a private conversation and it's not. And these are high profile families. And if anybody gets out that these are what these kids are doing, there could be a lot of repercussion to that. So we had to, we pulled the kids in, we sat down with them and I had already talked to the moms about what was going on and they were happy that I was dealing with it. But I think we just, what we did is we tried to show them how they were endangering themselves, not that they were in trouble. Um, if, if there's some serious, a lot of times, well, many times with my students, especially in the equestrian and dance world, we have eating disorders. So we have to sit down with the families and we have an intervention. So you can pull in psychologists. There's lots of people in the world, especially if they've already have therapists that are working with them that would be in, involved in an intervention with the family. Sometimes you have to have an intervention with the mom and dad or who's ever the adult in charge to let them know what's going on and then also intervene with the child. And then you must make sure that a safe place is created for them and that you have some solutions for them mm -hmm. as to what needs to happen. We shut down all social media for these kids on certain levels on this past case we were just talking about. We showed them a video of what could happen if you're not careful. So it worked out in the end. It worked out to a very positive experience, I hope. <laughs> well, I think that's what we're all trying to do, right, is, is basically be able to come to people with, uh, with resolutions on how to solve problems. I mean, I think we can all pretty much look at anything and see that there's a problem. Um, but if you don't have a solution on how to fix that problem, then it's really no point in addressing it because it just becomes someone else's problem. So I think that, um, that sounds like a, a fantastic way to be able to address some of the situations, especially with, uh, with the youth that are getting more involved on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis. Uh, everyone seems to have iPhones at a younger age. Um, and uh, I, I don't even think I knew what a phone was until, uh, until I was about 12. So, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, right. by that time, our, our, our kids have already got a, a database of uh, friends and family that are far surpasses that. So, um, one of the things that we've been doing, Joanne, here on, on DEMA Live is really working with our, our guests and uh, 
to encourage professional standards in the private service industry. Um, we obviously have been asking uh, those guests to share their thoughts on professionalism. Uh, sounds like you might have a couple of ideas on, on when it yeah. comes to that. So uh, with that, how regarding uh, having a professional attitude, how does that pertain to your industry? Well, I think it's really important to realize that we are the educators of children and not the educators of high-profile families, that these are children and that our needs are just that we tend to be our population tends to be forgotten a little bit. And so we're very careful about um, defending the children of affluence and making sure that their needs are taken care of. And that has to be done in a very non-judgmental and very appropriate ways. Um, we need to make sure that one of the questions I ask my educators in an interview, for example, and I still handpick all the educators for my company, and we have over 75 to 125 during season um, educators. And so um, one of the questions I ask is, how, are you comfortable working in this demographic? And it's very interesting to see how many people are not. They have no idea how to dress appropriately, present appropriately, learn to listen and not engage in conversation. We don't go out to dinners with our families. Um, we're, we're there at, for a sole purpose of educating these children. And I think that that has to be very clear. Um, we're very personable, but we're not personal, if that makes sense, I'm sure. And um, to, to draw a boundary as to what's appropriate and what's not, especially working one-on-one -on -one with the student, it's easy to get very personal. So we always talk about the difference between being personable and being personal. So especially we hire a lot of young in age and young in attitude tutors um, because they relate well to teenagers and young people. And so we have to be very careful with how we work with our with the, how the tutors are working with the student. So we're very, very careful on training them. We put our, our tutors through yearly training. We have a whole group of people that are watching as we work in teams. Um, we have cameras everywhere. And um, actually, uh, we had, uh, I wanted to mention also that when we talk about security with our students, we have a game plan with every tutor as to what to happen, what to do in case something in an emergency happens. If there's a lockdown, if someone's trying to photograph them um, and things like that. So we have, photo we have cameras in every room to make sure that everything is safe. And our tutors are encouraged to constantly be going through training in education to realize that we are the educators for these children. That's some great advice. Advice, Joanne, really. And, and I, what you said before about recognizing those boundaries, I think that's yes. just one of the most fundamental principles for anybody working in private service to really learn and understand that concept of boundaries in, in this work. Can I ask you, uh, I'm very interested in, in the history of private service. And at the convention, uh, Charles McPherson gave a great talk on, on his reflections of how private service has changed over the years. Matt, I guess I'd be just interested to know your thoughts on how you see private education uh, changing and what you see as you look into the future as far as trends and things that you maybe see going forward. Sure. Um, 
Well, you know, private education has been going on since Socrates when it comes down to it. But uh, in the modern world, um, I definitely think that there's a trend away from traditional boarding schools. Um, I think that private schools, and especially what area you're in, there are some great private schools, but I see that the trend of going into this one-on-one, as long as there's a social environment and having a private teacher with your family has been becoming more and more norm. Um, what I saw was that um, you could do um, – at first you would send your child to private school, then, then the next trend was boarding school, and now we're coming back where parents and families want to stay together or at least in the same area and so that they can go into this kind of private education. And I also – believe that a trend in 21st century education is all of this shift away from tests, of grade, from grade levels, away from um, book t- learning, and more interested in what's happening in individualizing education. So we're taking private education and making it regular for this population and the general population as well. Um, I think that People don't, are, are uncomfortable sending their kids to school. It's not safe on many levels, even on a K through 12 and a university level. And I think that um, the trend will be to individualize education and that I see more and more teachers who are begging to work with us because they can't stand what's going on in the schools. So this gives our educators the freedom to teach what their passions are as well. Well, I, I'm sure you won't believe this, uh, Joanne, but we only have five minutes left on the show. Nope. And uh, <laughs> uh, right. when, when time flies, when we're when we're having a good time and we're talking about something as important as this uh, topic, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity for people to reach out and contact you if uh, someone out there wants to learn more about um, the school and where you guys are and and and. Uh, some of the, the, the fine details, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Our website is www.pbiafl.com. It's also listed as Palm Beach International Academy.com. You can also find us at privatetutoringservices.com. Uh, if anybody wants to email us, our, um, our direct line is info at pbiafl.com that's i n f o at pbiafl.com we also our direct lines are 561-338-3811 extension 1 and that's the best way to get a hold of us fantastic thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners and lastly there's one last question i have to ask you but you're going to have to answer quickly uh, I want to get my uh, I want to get my master's degree. Uh, how do I go about doing that with you? Can I do that with you guys? You can certainly do that. You can finish your undergraduate. You can get another degree. We have partnerships with um, University of Florida, Penn State, Colorado State, another ten or twelve different universities, and you can do it at your own pace in front of your computer with us online. And you can certainly get your master's or just continue education credits. Hey, excellent. Did you hear that, DJ? We can go back to college while we're, uh, while we're still working and doing Dima Live. 
Uh, <laughs> that's excellent. Well, listen, I really want to I really want to say thanks to Joanne for being on the show today. I want to thank uh, DJ as my co-host. Uh, if you have any questions regarding how you can become more involved in your local chapter of BEMA, or if you have questions about the private service industry, please feel free to contact us at info at domesticmanagers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for a potential topic or guest that you'd like us to interview, please do not hesitate to email that same address with the uh, contact information. Our show is available as a podcast on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. If you subscribe, you will be notified when we post our most recent updates and episodes. We are excited to announce that we will be back on the air uh, Wednesday, October the 5th, and we will be joined by DJ's favorite person, Mrs. Green, who we got an opportunity to uh, to interview at uh, on our panel in at convention. So we're excited to have her come on the show. Uh, once again, I want to thank Joanne uh, for being on the show today. I've been your host, Matthew Hack. On behalf of all of my colleagues and staff at DEMA, thank you for allowing us to continue to serve those that serve others. <laughs>